Hi everyone, this is episode four of the Janet Lewis podcast. My name is Janet Lewis. For those of you who don't know me, I'm an entrepreneur and business owner. I own orangefish.ca, which is an e-commerce business that features products that will help you look or feel good, whether you're working out or just hanging out. Last year, I spoke to a group of entrepreneurs about the importance of identifying their superpower. So what is a superpower? It is a task or activity you do that you may or may not be good at, but it actually gives you energy. You want to be able to identify your superpower so you can tap into them every day. And on the flip side, also make sure you're not stuck doing tasks or activities that totally drain you. I believe that people who have been able to identify their superpower tend to be happier in life. And so I've decided to do a little experiment. I want to talk to people who have truly found their passion and explore their journey. In the podcast, I'll be interviewing people who are super passionate about what they do. These are the people who have found their purpose. So why am I doing this? I want to see if there are any consistencies in discovering one's path. How did these people discover what they should be doing? And how have they been able to turn it into a business or a career that makes sense for them? We are going to be talking about their journey, how and why they made the choices they did, what drives them, how to take the leap, making changes, and maybe even how to be happy. Today, we're talking with Deval Morrison, a sales representative for Bosley Real Estate. Deval lives and works in Toronto, which is probably one of the most competitive markets in Canada. I met Deval about 12 years ago through a mutual friend, and from the first moment I met her, I knew she was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, at the time, she was working for Chorus Entertainment in ad sales, but since then has moved on to try a few different businesses, but it seems as though she's really found her groove in the real estate business. And it's amazing. In four short years, Deval has risen in the ranks at Bosley Real Estate and is currently listed as the number 14 top sales agent, uh, and that is out of 250 sales representatives. She is on fire and her clients praise her for her hard work, attention to detail, and her expertise and efficiency. This woman is all about getting the job done, which I can totally appreciate. Uh, so Deval, thank you for joining me today. No problem, Janet. Thanks for having me. It's great. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you and I always love hearing your stories and what you have to say. So I thought you'd be perfect for the podcast. Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, so since we met so many years ago, yep. things have really changed for you. Absolutely. You know, you were in ad sales at Chorus. And then you tried a couple of other things before you found your way into real estate. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go back to when you were at Chorus sure. and like how you were feeling when you were in that job and why you decided to make changes when you did. Sure. So I'd been selling advertising at Chorus Entertainment for the W Network for about nine years and I'd been doing it for a while and I liked what I was doing and I was making great money. And while I was there, I was able to dabble in real estate as in I was able to start acquiring investment properties, right. which I liked and I was realizing how much that was really working for me and how that was really helping me to build up my own personal net worth. But while I was there in the last few years, I also started to recognize that every other year they were laying off more sales reps. Right. And I started to kind of go, you know, one day that's going to be me. I better figure out what I'm going to do next because it's not going to be this. And I could see that the broadcast industry in general was shrinking. So the answer wasn't to leave chorus and go to another broadcaster. The idea was, where am I going to go? What am I going to do for my life next? Because I could see everyone was just getting laid off. And as I looked around me, I could see lots of friends of mine in their 40s and 50s also getting laid off. Yeah, which is scary. Yeah. So I just kind of felt that corporate life really wasn't the answer. So I needed to figure out what that business was going to be for me. So I was always very passionate about working out in fitness. So I thought, you know, maybe that's going to be sort of my next thing. So I got my 
personal trainer certification. I became certified as a yoga instructor. And my cousin is really big into fitness as well. And another friend of mine was a nutritionist. So we decided to form a fitness business together where we would do weekend getaways for women to train them about fitness and eating well and uh, and those kinds of things. Right. And it went okay. Um, but after a while, I thought, hmm, it's a lot of work for very little return. And so I started to think, you know, maybe this isn't where I'm going to go next. Yeah. And so when you um, started the fitness business, were you still at Chorus? Yes, you I was. you had already left. Okay, no. so you started it kind of part-time on yeah, the side. Yeah, I started on the side because my mind, my mind, in my mindset it was I need to figure out what I'm going to do on the side first yeah. before I make the big leap to see if it works. And I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't have the time to do side stuff. I'm like, yeah, you can always make the time. You no, always have I, more time than you think you do. Yeah. Do you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk? No. Because well, actually, yes, I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. His whole thing is, listen, if you work a job Monday to Friday, nine to five, what are you doing from eight to 11? Yeah. Like you can, if you're super passionate about it, you can find the time. Right? Exactly. And that's what I just didn't realize before. You don't realize it until you're in it. I had always had a passion for real estate, but in the back of my mind, it was always a, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to work on only commission. I don't want to work on the weekends. I don't want to work in the evenings. These were all things that were in my mind of, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. And so when I started doing the fitness business, one of the things I realized is that in order to make it successful, I was working evenings and weekends, <laughs> but I was so passionate for what I was doing. It didn't matter and it didn't feel like work. And so I just started to kind of rethink my, what I used to think was normal Yep. and go, you know what? Wait a minute. I was already doing this with this fitness business. So the fitness business didn't work, but the hours aren't an issue for me because as long as it's something I'm passionate about, I don't actually mind working all those hours. Well, because you probably don't feel like you're working because exactly. you're enjoying what you're doing. Exactly. Right. And so then I thought, okay, it's not going to be fitness. I started to rethink what am I going to do next and realized, you know what? I already have these properties. I've been managing these properties myself. I can actually teach people how to do that. And so, you know what? Why didn't I get my real estate license? Why don't I start there and see if that can progress into a career for me? So I went about getting my real estate license while I was still with my full-time job at Chorus. Sure. I was able to work in the evenings, working diligently on my website, making sure I had my website all done. And then um, I got my real estate license, probably into that for a few months. And again, I could see more changes happening at Chorus. And then there was just something, the way my sales manager had spoken to me one particular month that I realized, you know... It's really time to clear everything off the computer. <laughs> it's going to happen soon, right? And it's just being prepared. Yeah. Right? So then, of course, I knew it was like the first day after May 2-4 weekend, and there was rumors all around that we knew that that's when they were going to do layoffs. And, of course, I got to work that morning, and I got an email from my boss saying, hey, meet me in such and such boardroom for a quick chat. <laughs> that's never good. <laughs> and, and at Chorus, it's a glass building. Oh no! So there's some glass boardrooms, but then they realized when we moved into the building that they needed to have some frosted boardrooms for meetings just like this. <laughs> so of course I looked up the meeting room that my boss had assigned me to and I, no I noticed it was a frosted boardroom. Oh no! <laughs> You're going so, to get iced. <laughs> exactly. So I come to work that day. I've scoped out the boardroom. I put my stuff down. My coworker's there because we're all in open concept. And I just announced to my coworkers, hey guys, I'm getting let go today. I'm getting fired today. And they're all like, no, what are you talking about? That's crazy. That's yeah. not going to happen. I'm like, yeah, it's happening. It, it's happening. Because this is the thing. Would they think, no, it's not going to happen? Because I'm going to guess or assume just based on what I know from you, like you were probably always a top performer as well. Yeah, I worked very hard. Absolutely. My yeah. clients really liked me. So yeah, people thought, no way. And so of course, I'm saying to my assistant, like, yeah, I'm going to get canned today. 
And they're all like shocked. And now, of course, I'm supposed to meet with my coworker to talk about a project we're working on. And I'm sitting beside her and I said, you know what, we're not going to meet. I'm going to pack up my desk instead. And she's looking over at me in disbelief going, I can't believe you're packing up your desk. Like you're that convinced that you are getting canned <laughs> You're packing today. before you even get canned. Oh yeah. So I'm packing up my desk. I had already packed up a lot of stuff, but no, I start packing up my desk. I go to my meeting. Of course, my boss is there with the HR person that I've never seen before. <laughs> and of course, my boss is like, you know, Devel, we've had to make a lot of tough, tough decisions. Your position has been eliminated. And uh, do you have anything to say? And I said, well, it is what it is. And I looked at the HR person because I want to find out what my numbers are. What do you yeah. pay me? <laughs> and next. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I had already sort of like accepted this decision. I was like, okay, what's going to happen next? And so the HR person was like, okay, well, well, your boss is going to be leaving now. Is there anything else that you have to say? And I said, no, like it, it is what it is. So she leaves. And then, of course, he starts to say to me, he goes, well, you seem to know that this was coming. And I said, well, it's obvious. I'm not stupid. Yeah. You do this every other year. Yeah. At some point, why would I think that it's never going to happen to me? It's going to happen. It's true. And it's funny because when I worked at Sun Microsystems or even Isopia, when there's layoffs that happen like that in a in an organization, it actually affects the culture. Mm-hmm. And people know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then you have people like you who are a top performer mm-hmm. who have one foot out the door. Exactly. Like you're ready to go. Exactly. Right? Because you know what's coming. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I said to him, I said, well, it was just kind of obvious. So, yeah, let's get on with it. So, anyways, he gave me the spiel. And, of course, I immediately took it to a friend of mine who's a lawyer. Yeah. That's literally left chorus, walk to the lawyer's office. <laughs> <laughs> Give me more money, please. And that's what I did. And so, uh, you know, then it's sort of literally that day going, okay, so what am I going to do next? Yeah. And then I was just like, you know what? I am going to do the full-time real estate. The time is now for me to do it. Sure. Um, and then a couple of hours later, I met with some of my coworkers who were all shocked, of course, that uh, I'd gotten let go. And uh, I said, you know, he, oh, so they said to me, they go, you know, all the sales managers now are running around trying to figure out why you knew that you were going to lose your job. Because <laughs> I, I want to know too when they're going to, it's going to happen to them. <laughs> and I was like, um, so therein lies is the problem with our company. The fact that everybody, the sales managers are running around trying to figure out how I knew I was going to lose my job yeah. is stupid. They should go on and run the company and actually try to make money. Yeah. But the problem is in an environment like that, people, it's flight or like um, fear. Flight or flight. Yeah, flight or fight. And so the fear goes through them and their mind gets caught up in these types of issues instead of doing the day-to-day business. Yeah. They should be running their business, not figuring out how I knew that I was going to get let go. Yeah. So, you know, as you're telling the story right now, like you're very upbeat, very positive about it. And it sounds like you were super prepared for the transition. But did you ever have any, I'll call it like a dark day after where you thought, oh, did I really make the right decision? And is this what I should be doing? Um, no, only because it was just the path was just there. Like it just seemed, everything seemed to make so much sense. You know, you sort of look to signs in the universe. Yeah. Really. And everything, it just seemed to make sense to me that this is my passion. I'd spent so much time watching HGTV. I <laughs> love Million Dollar Listing, LA, New York, Miami. I watched it all. Well, I think, were you on one of those shows once? Well, well? there was a Million Dollar Listing on Rogers yeah. that I was on. I was a guest agent on one of those shows. But before I became an agent, I was like fascinated with real estate. I had always gone to open houses in my neighborhood with my mom and stepdad. I was really interested in home renovation. So 
I was just interested in the subject matter for so long. Yeah. I love flipping through decor magazines. So it was just such a passion of mine that, yeah, certainly on the day of when I lost my job, it was sort of a, wow, this is really happening. Yeah. You know, do I do take, do I take the easy route and just get another job? Do I go into real estate full time? And then it was just sort of the decision of like, yeah, you know what? It's now. Because I had the comfort of having a package from being laid off. Right. So at least I was being paid along the way. Yeah. So I didn't have to stress out about not making money. And so for me, what happened, literally lost my job on Wednesday. Friday, went and signed my contract with Bosley Real Estate. That totally does not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of it, my cousin was just about to get married. So I had already booked the following week. I was going away to Cuba for my cousin's wedding. So it was a great transitional time for me because now I was going off to Cuba for a week. Yeah. So I was actually, I had a clean break that, okay, now I'm actually on vacation and I get to focus on my cousin getting married, which is awesome. So I didn't have a lot of that, I guess, sort of, you know, time to maybe be like, what was me about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think the thing is too, like sometimes in some of those situations, people do become the victim yeah. instead of like being proactive and figuring out their next steps, which is a skill in itself. Yeah, of course. Right? Absolutely. You but know? I've always been the person of, I want to put my energy into being proactive yeah. and figure out what's next versus being on the what was me camp. Well, even, yeah. you know, earlier you already mentioned about knowing that it was going to happen to you, but moving to another real estate or moving to another corporate job probably wasn't the answer in broadcasting because of what was happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. So it's even recognizing that. And to be honest, it's not even just in broadcasting now. It's happening in every yeah. industry. And the future is for people to create their own jobs. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's funny. So I just had a friend who moved back here from Hong Kong, and um, she's trying to figure out what she's going to do next. And I had the same conversation with her. I said, if you get a corporate job, you're just going to get laid off in five years anyways. Yeah. So start your business now while you've got the opportunity and just be ahead of the curve. Yeah. you know the, that is the new way. And the one thing, like, I love that you're passionate and that you can recognize that you were watching all those home renovation shows because I think a lot of people try to just create a business for the sake of creating a business. Mm-hmm. So even, for example, when I started Orange Fish, it was all about unique gifting. But I wasn't passionate about gifting. I was passionate about unique items. Mm -hmm. And for me, now that I've transitioned it more into health and fitness and fitness apparel and being motivational and inspirational, that is my passion. Right. Like I'm, I exude positive energy 99% of the time. Yeah. So I want to share that with people. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's an interesting transition, but it's. It's, if someone's going to start a business, do you have any advice for them to think about? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to think about what they're passionate about. I think they have to think about what is their skill set? What are they strong at? Because whatever you're not strong at, you've got to make sure you hire that out. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense to do something where at least your strongest skill set and your passion can somehow be combined. Because ultimately, you're going to have to work long hours, no matter what anybody says. It's not so that there's no easy sailing for anybody. It's, it's always going to be in a number of hours. And if you're going to put in the hours, there's got to be something that you're actually really passionate about and that you're really interested in. Yeah. So it's just really about feel, doing that. But the other thing that I would see, say to people is they have to learn to meditate. Oh, you're from believer in that. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I meditate every morning. I mean, the great thing about me doing my yoga teacher training was all the focus on meditation. You're doing your Shavasana. And it's just about going deep within yourself because you have to be able to do that to be able to figure out what you should do next. 
and you need to be able to get the signs that it's either the universe or God or your spirit guides, whatever you want to say those people are, you need to figure out what those messages are and what you are supposed to be doing because we all have this right place in our life that we're supposed to be. Yeah. And sometimes when people keep, you know, running into roadblocks at every turn, it's because they're just not doing what they should be doing. Yeah, that's right. There's this expression, I think, that uh, Oprah had that, you know, when the universe is trying to talk to you, they're going to knock on the door. And if you're not listening when that universe is first giving you that message with a knock, then it's gonna they're going to start banging the walls down, <laughs> right, until you get the message. And if you still don't get the message, the whole house is going to crumble on you until you get that message. Yeah. So if people were to sort of look at that with that same analogy about their life, it's that when you get that feeling inside of you that, you know, this isn't the right person I should be dating or married to. And then something bad happens in that relationship. And then something even worse happens in that relationship. And, you know, the signs were always there. You just were choosing to ignore them. That's right. And so what I, what I think that is great about meditation is it allows you to be silent and sit silent. And you can literally ask yourself, what should I do about X? Should I do this or that? And the messages will there, are there and your body will speak to you. Yeah. But you need to be quiet enough to hear that. And so for me, I wake up every morning and the first thing that I do is I meditate for 10 minutes. So when you meditate, are you uh, just being silent or are just you asking sitting, yourself questions? I'm sitting silent. Yeah. And if there's something that I need to ask myself, then yes, I'll ask myself. But yeah, for 10 minutes, I'm not sitting there drilling myself with questions. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting because I think, you know, people have been meditating for thousands of years, mm-hmm. but I do feel as though in the last, you know, three years, it's become a huge trend. Mm-hmm. And in part, I wonder if it's just because people are so busy and getting pulled in 101 directions and, you know, whether it's you're on social media or it's your work and your colleagues or your family, but having that time and taking that time out for yourself Mm -hmm. really helps to like calm you. Exactly. It does. And I think it's really important and people don't take enough time for themselves and whether it's someone waking up half an hour earlier or 10 minutes earlier or 15 minutes earlier, whatever it is, but that's the right time to do it. I mean, people can always say to me, oh, I'm not a morning person or, you know, I want to do this at nighttime. I'm like, you don't have time at nighttime. Yeah. Because there's always going to be different things that are pulling you out. The only time that you have literally is first thing in the morning. Well, and I think if you meditate in the morning and at or at night, mm-hmm. it's going to be a very different experience. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that do both, mm-hmm. right? Some yeah. of the top experts in Absolutely. whatever their field is, they do both. Absolutely. I guess they have the time to do it mm-hmm. uh, or they see the great benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. It's like for me... First thing when I get up in the morning, I go work out. Yes, me too. You know, and and I have to, like before when I was younger, I could work out at any time of day. Yeah. But now as I've gotten older, I feel like it's something I need to do first thing in the morning. It has to be a priority. Yes. Because it helps you stay fit, but Mm -hmm. also mentally healthy healthy as well, right? Absolutely, for sure. And even if I'm going out for a run in the morning, that's almost like a meditation because it allows me to solve solve all of my problems just by going out for a run. Yeah. I think sometimes when you step away from the desk Mm -hmm. and you do something active, Mm -hmm. you actually get to be more creative. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's switch gears a little bit. I want to um, hear about how... How were you able to achieve what you have in such a short time period? So let's go back to how competitive like the Toronto real estate sure. uh, market is and how you have gotten to your position that you have at Bosley. Sure. And was there anything you did differently? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because there's 45,000 agents in the GTA. Wow. And so, you know, with a number like that, you sort of ask yourself, oh my God, well, how, how can I make a change? How can I be different? 
how can I even make a wave in that kind of a marketplace when there's 45,000 agents already there? Yeah. So for me, when I first came to work at Bosley, I was all about, okay, I'm going to look around at all who the top 10 people are and figure out what are they doing that works and just emulate those people. Good, because the good thing about being a real estate agent is that there's many thousands of people who've been real estate agents before me. Yeah, that's right. And so the great thing is, is I can just ask people, see what people are doing, and talk to people to figure out what it, what things should I do and what things shouldn't I do. Because there's clearly a path when there's so many successful people out there. Yeah, that's right. So I basically started looking around at who the top 10 people were in my office. How did they get there? What did they do? Start asking them questions. You see patterns. You know, so one of the patterns that I noticed, for example, was everybody who was in the top 10 came to work every single day at nine o'clock. They were at their desk working. Now, there's lots of people that think, oh, those real estate agents, they could work at home. They don't really <laughs> do much. But the reality is, is that the successful people, it's a job. You go into your office every single day. You're there from nine to five if you're not showing properties during that time. Right. And so I quickly looked around to see what are they doing. Um, the other thing that I did is I just became a sponge of information. So I just started reading about, there's a, a Gary Keller book on, you know, being a successful real estate agent. I would read that. I would attend courses. I would attend marketing courses. I just became a sponge of information because I thought, okay, so this isn't rocket science. Other people have done it before me. What can I learn from everybody else? Yeah. And so I just started to learn, learn, and learn some more. And I'm still always reading and listening to podcasts and trying to learn more because I need to better my craft and figure out how can I get better because... I'm not perfect. I still have lots to learn. Sure. and But that's the best attitude to have, right? Like people who are lifelong learners mm -hmm. tend to be more successful anyways because they're much more open-minded, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're not the people that you're talking to that will say, yes, I know, or I know everything. Um, they're the people that are still going to constantly search for information. Mm -hmm. And you also had the experience like at Chorus, you're already doing ad sales. Yes. But ad sales and you know, selling someone a home is probably very different. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But one of the things that was interesting, the crossover, is that when I was at my job at Chorus, we spent a lot of time, we would get pitches, RFPs from uh, agencies to say, hey, we want you guys to come up with some great promotional and advertising ideas for whatever our brand is. It could have been a Procter & Gamble or an SC Johnson or a Canadian Tire, but we spent so much time brainstorming great ideas for these companies. Sometimes we'd get the, the business and sometimes we wouldn't. So the great difference for me being a real estate agent is now, wow, I can come up with marketing ideas for myself and I actually get to do them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that rejection of like coming up with all these great ideas for businesses and then saying, no, nah, we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. Yeah. But now I get to do those things for myself. So I love that, that it's like, oh, finally, I spent all this time coming up with great marketing ideas and now I just get to execute them for myself. Yeah, because you actually just did, I think, something quite innovative for real estate recently where you had um, the drawing with yeah. the whiteboard, which yes. I think looks really cool. Where yeah. can people see that? Uh, if they go to morrisonsellsrealestate.com, yeah. it'll upload right there. Okay. Um, they can see it. And it's also on YouTube as well. If they Google on YouTube, Morrison Sells Real Estate, it'll pop up that way as well too. Because I've seen, do you want to describe a little bit about yeah. what it is? So it's funny. So I remember I was saying about all about learning. Yeah. So one of the podcasts I was listening to is called I Love Marketing. And they always have great different marketing ideas. And one of the marketing ideas was a company called The Draw Shop. And so what The Draw Shop does is basically they have, it's almost like an animation thing where somebody does a freestyle drawing. It's very um, rough. And then there's a voiceover behind it explaining a story. 
And so I thought, this sounds really cool. I'd like to do it for my business. What is the application that could work well for my business? And because I do a lot of first-time homebuyer seminars or real estate investing seminars, I thought, yeah, you know what? Let me try doing one of these drawing videos for my business as well. And so that's basically how I got the idea was from listening to this podcast. So one of the things they said was, if you Google is selling evil, Google that video and you'll space it. It's almost like the sales pitch for this company, The Draw Shop. Right. Because that's a video that they created. Oh, cool. And you can see how many views it's gotten. And of course, the premise is there's so many more views for these drawings. And I'll be able to reuse the drawing for the next time I do another seminar. Yeah. So um, did that just launch this week? Yes. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was because this, this week, week or, or last week, I probably launched it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw it was um, in the City Events newsletter, which yeah. is great. Yeah. I don't even want to know how you had made that happen because I'm sure you worked your magic. Um, but has it had good views so far? Yeah, absolutely. It has. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting how the views have really skyrocketed on there. Also, it's a bit of a technology thing and me learning how to import a video properly to Facebook Mm. because I think the first time I shared it I didn't put it up the right way right anyways then when I I figured out once I went into Facebook and I could actually I need to upload the video directly onto Facebook versus adding a link from YouTube right for whatever reason Facebook reads that better so people can actually view the video a lot simpler but there you go learning It is learning. <laughs> so uh, what do you think has been the biggest challenge that you have encountered since running your own business? Time. Yeah. <laughs> and not having any time. <laughs> and so it's that balance of, you know, I want to be able to continue to see my friends and do things with friends and family, but I'm also running a business as well, which takes a lot of attention. So probably finding time for myself personally yeah. is probably the biggest challenge. You know, I might go out for a walk on Young Street to run errands and someone will see me and be like, oh, I want to chit chat. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I've given myself like one hour to actually get my errands done and I need to get my stuff done right now. <laughs> yeah. So when people meet you and they see you, what they see is someone who's like totally put together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why are you laughing? You're already smiling. Yeah, totally. But we we all know, like we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, right. our areas to develop. Yeah. If you were to critically evaluate yourself, yeah. what do you think that you could improve upon? Oh, that was it's funny, that's not the question I thought you were gonna ask. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course in my mind I'm like formulating an answer already. I'm like, oh <laughs> she changed it on me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hold on, repeat the question again. So in, in, uh, everything that you've done, what do you think it is if you were to critically look at yourself yeah. that you could work on or improve upon? Probably not being so focused on work. That's um, probably what people would say is that I'm probably too focused on work Yeah, because it is on my mind all the time. But I mean, I think but that's a general issue of business owners. I'm yeah, the same way. Absolutely. Right? I'm always thinking about my business. So yeah. yeah, that's probably the thing is that trying to not think about work so much, not be so focused on work. But at the same time, that is what makes me successful. But I do need to be able to take some downtime for myself. So that's probably the biggest time. And, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time dating. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that one up. Because I end up usually, you know, I want to keep getting more and more done or I want to get back to clients quickly or I want to be available to show property when necessary. So I would say the biggest challenge is really just finding time for myself to well, get my own errands done. Yeah. Well, and don't you think like when you run your own business, there's always something to do on the list? Mm-hmm. Exactly. There is. There's always stuff that you want to get done and you want to keep doing better. So you do it. But then sometimes you're like, hey, wait a minute. 
I actually need to take like an hour out to go pick up my contact lenses. Yeah. And take money out of the bank machine and do basic things like that. So how do you decide on a specific day, like enough's enough? Well, it's, it, it depends. I mean, sometimes I'll actually have to book an appointment to get myself to just chill. So a couple of weeks ago, I booked a massage for myself just to make myself take some time off. Yeah. Or I booked a facial again, just to make myself take some time off. Um, sometimes I book vacations to again, get myself to take some time off. I think I just, I'm just trying to get better now at saying, okay, you know what? I need a few hours off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's true. Like, um, I was speaking with this woman and she said something about how she took a weekend off mm-hmm. and then on the Monday she was so productive. Yeah. And I'm like, imagine if you took the whole week off, how productive you'd be. Yeah. And it is important. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle mm-hmm. with taking that time off. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you do get time off, what is it that you like to do? Well, I mean, I always make time for working out. So that's always a priority for me. When I wake up first thing in the morning, I do my meditation, then I work out. Yeah. So I always have time for my workout schedule. But outside of what I like to do my time off, I just really want to walk up the street in the neighborhood. Oh, really? <laughs> and walk in and out and of look stores. at houses. That's work. <laughs> no, but just walk in and out of stores. Yeah. I mean, that's probably if I have some downtime on the weekends, that's probably really what I do. Sure. Because I think I'm pretty good with spending time with my friends. I already sort of make time to hang out with friends in the evening and plan things. So I already make time for that. Yeah. So it's just more about making time for myself personally. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, but sometimes I'm also kind of like, you know what? I just need some down downtime and I just want to watch TV. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I've decided I'm guilty of that. that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm like, I'm not going out. I want to sit in front of my TV set on the couch. And it is a Friday night, just so everybody knows. So <laughs> are you going to Instagram that you're on your couch or are you going to Instagram that you're pretending to go out? No, <laughs> neither. I'm just not going to be, you know see what everybody else is up to on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm not going to post anything. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, um, spoof that they put out where it was, uh, what people actually are doing versus what they're posting on Instagram. Oh really? Yeah. It was hilarious. So this one girl posted hashtag Friday night, hashtag girls night out. And she took a photo of like her heels and then her real photo was her sitting on the couch eating a thing of ice cream. Really? (laughs) See, I don't even understand the purpose for that I would just I never do that no I mean, like well I guess maybe my life is exciting enough that <laughs> I don't need to post stuff like that I'm like oh I'm always posting stuff but no yeah. but that that brings up a point of like how people try to portray that their life is something different yeah. on social media than it actually is in real life right? yeah exactly and I I don't I just I probably project my life the way it is yeah um, but that's because of the media. generation we probably are too. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Cause I feel like I don't need to hide anything. If I have nothing to post and I have nothing to post and I can be silent and it's all good. <laughs> exactly. You know? And that's about it. And then if there's something interesting that I feel like, Oh yeah, I want to post this. Then by all means, I'll take a picture and post it. Um, so let's get to a little bit more about, um, yourself personally. Mm-hmm. So who do you think has had like the biggest impact in your life? Um, probably my mother, really, you know, because she was a single mom. She raised me. I saw how hard she worked. I saw what she did with real estate. You know, I feel like when my parents were first divorced, I was the poor kid at school. You know, we lived in a crappy townhouse. 
Um, everybody else's parents were still together. So they had much larger houses than we had. So I guess I think I've always felt like I was a poor kid in school. But I remember how my mom was able to sell that townhouse. We were able to buy a larger house in Markham. And I sort of saw the progression of, okay, if you wait long enough, the market does increase in yeah. value. So it helps you sort of move up. And then when she was ready to leave Markham and buy a house at Young and Eglinton, I could see again how much better that we were doing. So probably the biggest influence is really my mother, seeing what she did for us in real estate and seeing how hard she worked at her job. And so what did your mom do? She worked for the Bank of Montreal. Oh, she did? Okay. Yeah, she did. So she worked there for 30 plus years. Oh, wow. And just kind of worked her way up. Started off as a teller and was a manager and... Uh, yeah, I did really well for herself. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so in your life, um, like we talked about like a challenge that you might have in business, yeah. but have you ever had any like major life challenges that have been kind of hard to overcome? Yeah. I mean, I was probably about, I think it was back in 1998 or something. I was hit by a car. Oh, you were? Yeah. I was crossing the road on King West before, before it was the way it was now. I was coming out of the Mockingbird. It's now Everly, but yeah. <laughs> and it was two o'clock in the morning, and I wasn't drunk. We were just out with friends. It was somebody's party, and we were out dancing. And basically, I came out in the street with my friends, and a taxi cab came and hit me and took off. You're kidding? Yeah. So I had blood coming out of my head. My friends what? were freaking out in the street, and uh, basically, I got rushed to Mount Sinai. I had fractured two vertebrae in my neck, two vertebrae in my back, tore ligaments in my knees, and basically, I'd spent. 10 days in Mount Sinai, I had, I didn't quite have a full halo, but I did have some sort of head apparatus going on. And my first four days in the hospital, I was flat on my back, couldn't get up. And then on the fourth day, the physiotherapist came in and they, you know, tried to get me up to walk again. I literally took four steps out of my bed, broke into a sweat because taking those four steps was so difficult. Wow. My muscles had already atrophied from my accident. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how fast that happens. Oh, anyway. yeah. So then basically, I uh, my aunt is a physiotherapist in New York, and she had said to me, listen, once they teach you how to walk again, you have to get up for five minutes every hour on the hour just so that your muscles stop atrophying. So I learned how to walk with a walker with wheels, and then I graduated to a, a walker without wheels, and then I graduated to like crutches, and then a cane. And, and so, so how old were you at this time? Uh, I think it was in my late 20s. No, early 30s. And was, working at Chorus? No, or? I was working at TIFF. I was working at Toronto Film oh, Festival. Oh, okay. Wow. And so um, I spent 10 days at Mount Sinai, then I spent another 10 days in a rehab hospital, again, doing more rehab and just kind of walking around and stuff, and one of my friends had brought in for me one of the Rocky movies. You know, Rocky Balboa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Rocky. Who doesn't know Rocky? Exactly. <laughs> and so I was watching Rocky like one, two, and three, and it was actually really inspiring. Yeah. Because it was like I was on that same journey of like, I just got to keep going. I got to, you know, get up and walk around and, and, you know, get better, more physically fit. Right. And so, yeah, I felt like watching those Rocky movies really helped. So do you not look back at that time period and think, wow, I can't believe that was even part of my life? Oh, yeah, totally. And then so after I left the rehab hospital, then I was doing physio and it was from home. But I was at the physiotherapist office two and a half hours every single day, probably four days a week. Wow. So I could only work (laughs) half days by this point. So I had to take a lot of time off work. And the physiotherapist is the one who taught me how to run. I never used to run before. I always hated running. And so she had this system of making me run one minute, walk one minute, 
And she said, once you can do that up to 50 minutes, she said, run two minutes, walk one minute. She said, do three and one, four and one, five and one. And she said, what, you know, whether, when you're ready to do, when you can do five and one, you can run 15 minutes. And I, I live close to the belt line and I basically started sort of going a little bit further, a little yeah. bit further and a little bit further each time. And then one of my friends said to me, Hey, you know, I was thinking of doing this half marathon clinic at the running room. Do you want to do it with me? And I said, sure, why not? Was it Hermie? No, it wasn't. It was my friend Dee Dee. Um, and so it's funny, Dee Dee dropped out of the half marathon clinic, but I stuck with it and I did the half marathon. I ran a couple of marathons. That's the, insane. And yeah. you never ran before. No, I hated it. In so fact, before your accident, what did you do as physical activity or did you? I did. I did physical activity. I mean, I had, uh, I think I played ultimate frisbee. Was that before or after I played ultimate? Maybe it was, I can't remember. But I didn't do any long distance running before. I would do aerobics at the gym. Sure. I would, you know, do Stairmaster. Um, in high school, I danced. Like, I did jazz and ballet. And I used to try to get notes to get out of gym class because I hated gym class so no much. No way! You're one of Because I didn't want to run. Yeah. <laughs> because I got shin splints from running. Right. And so it was sort of ironic that after going through all that, now I'm, like, running marathons. Yeah. Um, where I really wasn't a runner before. So it was... The accident was good because... It made me get into running and running marathons. So to me, that was the big amazing moment that, you know, I couldn't walk at some yeah. point in my life. And then all of a sudden I'm running marathons. So so what is it like? Okay, so you get hit by the car. You're in the hospital. What are you really thinking? I don't know. I just had this sense of calm that it sort of come over me. Like that it was just that, that everything was going to be okay. So I wasn't freaked out by it. It was just sort of this sense of calm that I guess everything was going to be fine. And I just kept maybe, I just kept listening to what the physiotherapist was telling me to do, kept listening to what the doctor was telling me to do. And just, I just knew it was just put one foot in front of the hour, out, out front, put one foot in front of the other and just keep doing it. So I just never really thought about anything else other than like, I'm in the moment and I just got to keep going and keep chugging along and. It all worked out. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's even what's even funnier is, like, we talked earlier about how then you wanted to start, you well, you did start that fitness business, yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. So it's like you go from, like, doing dance yeah. in high school yeah. to not really doing, like, traditional sports yeah, or activities. Yeah, exactly. Um, to, to running a fitness company for a while. That's crazy. Yeah, totally, absolutely. So, yeah, that was basically it because all of a sudden I was doing tons of fitness stuff. I mean, I... Did a, a mountain biking relay race. I was doing triathlons. I was running marathons and half marathons. And, and so now I don't want to do marathons anymore. But now I'm just running 5 and 10K. Sure. Oh, just. Yeah. Because I love running. Not. Um, so if you, were to, if you were to do like a little bit of self-reflection on that time period. Yeah. What do you think is probably the thing that you learned the most about yourself? Well, just that I can do it. Right? Like it just yeah. I can work hard. It's like Rocky. Yeah. You know, you go back to Rocky Balboa fighting his way to the top. Yeah. That's life, right? We all got to do it. Whether it's physically or mentally or in our, our work, that's what we're all doing, right? Fighting our way up to the top. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because like I would describe you as being very driven, obviously. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, something like this has happened to you and you've over, overcame it. Right. Um, but it's what does amaze me is there are so many people like for me, that's not your story. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I've known you for how long? Yeah. And I didn't know this story about you. Right. And it's like for some people, they would let that be their story for their entire life. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So there has to be something about certain individuals that 
don't let that be their story. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just, I guess I just always consider myself to be a fighter. I mean, last year I had a hysterectomy and, uh, and I remember, um, after getting out of the hospital and I was at home recuperating and, you know, I sort of read all the things I was supposed to do to recuperate and I'd gone into the office and I had all these older women in my office who'd been through the same surgery. Sure. You're doing too much. What are you doing? Stop it. Stop working. I'm like, I'm sitting down. You don't like this is ridiculous. This is yeah. fine. Like I, I wasn't going crazy working seven days a week, but you know, I just I guess I felt like I knew my body and sure. knew what I could do. And I remember during that time period I was talking to my cousin, Funk, on the phone, and he was like, Hey, didn't you just get out of the hospital? What are you doing? And I said, Come on, you know me. <laughs> I'm out I'm I'm out walking. Like I, yeah. I'm doing stuff. That's what I do. So have you always been like that? Like even if you were to think back to when you were a kid, like were you always driven like that? Like, did you did you have know. this desire to, like, be the best or... Um, I mean, because I always did well in school. Yeah. So I always got, you know, A's and B's in school. So I think I was just that way. I guess I was probably not much of a dancer. <laughs> Party dancer, but I don't... I was never, you know, going to be the... I wasn't going on some TV show for dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes we all have to let some dreams die yes. and move on to new ones. Exactly. <laughs> right. Absolutely. For sure. So I'm going to, uh, just because I'm aware of your time, yeah. I'm just going to ask you like a couple of rapid fire questions. Sure. Um, so is there something that you can't live without? What would be that one thing? My working out. Working out? Yeah. Wow. It's my working out. When I go on vacation, my running shoes come with me. Yeah. No matter where I go, I don't care how, if, if I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to get to the gym somehow. I'm going to get on my running shoes and I'm going to run somehow. Even if it means I don't get a chance to eat breakfast, like I will, I will make other stuff stop in order for me to get my workout in. Yeah. I'm the the same way actually. And you know, Anna and I went to Costa Rica one year and we were just driving around traveling. And I remember, uh, you know, we stayed in a lot of like bed and breakfast, so they don't have gyms. Mm-hmm. And one day I made her do a circuit in our hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, okay, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is great. Okay, when are we going for margaritas? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it can make a huge difference to your day, right? Absolutely. And I'll bring, I'll bring like a gym boss timer with me yep. and I will work, do a little circuit. Yep. Wherever mm-hmm. I am, I will develop some sort of circuit that I can do while I'm away somewhere. So I know. That's well, probably the one thing I can't live without, working out. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people struggle with working out mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. And in part, you know, everyone likes to use the excuse of time. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, like, I have this workout that I could do at home. It's right. just all my own body weight. And if I did that consistently for two, three weeks, I can totally see a change. Yeah. And it's only 20 minutes a day. Yeah, Like, totally. you can fit that in for sure absolutely people just like to make excuses yeah well it's also that mental thing like I feel as we get older we're tired it's harder to do it at night so it's easier to do it in the morning yeah but I I do think if it's something that you make as a priority you can Mm -hmm. find the time to do it right absolutely that's what it is it's just making it a priority yeah oh no and making other things go you know what maybe you don't need to go for brunch yeah maybe you need to work out instead yeah yeah so, okay, another quick question for you. Um, who, if you were to think of anyone in the world, mm-hmm. maybe with us or not with us anymore, um, who would you think of as being successful? Oh, lots of people. Jeez, I'm like... Is there anyone that stands out? Oprah. Oh, I love Oprah. Yeah, I mean, Oprah definitely stands out as being super successful to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I look at the Forbes billionaire list, there are very few women on that list that actually earn their own money. Mm. Most of them got that money because, 
they married into it or their father, you know, acquired it. So uh, that's the when I looked at the billionaire list last, I thought that was the most amazing thing that I think Oprah was actually the only woman on that list that made that money herself. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point because I love those lists too. Yeah. And I'm always looking at them. Yeah. And, you know, part of what I find fascinating is when you see someone like Oprah who has really like forged the way, started her own career, made a name for herself, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. and um, so successful, not only um, financially successful, but also mentally, emotionally successful. And um, you look at some of the other women on the list, and I agree with you, like some of them are working for these large um, corporations, which mm-hmm. is a different type of challenge, um, but I just see it differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, for sure. The other person that I respect is Kathy Ireland. So recently Forbes had, actually it wasn't recently, it was a couple uh, years ago, but I actually still have the the, uh, the magazine yep. just because I found it so inspiring. So they had Kathy Ireland on the front cover and they said, guess who makes more money, Martha Stewart or Kathy Ireland? And the answer is Kathy Ireland. Yeah. Sports Illustrated model. And so when you read her story, it's like, okay. That's my goal. I want to get to the Kathy Ireland level where she manages to spin everything into some sort of brand or licensed product so that she can make so much money off of her name. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, her story is really, really interesting because mm-hmm. it was so smart for her to extend her career in that way, right? Mm-hmm. And not every model does that. Exactly. But I think she is definitely a great example of like very business savvy mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if there's anything that you would be able to share or tell the audience or ask them to do, is there anything that you want to say to them before we take off? Sure. I would say that everybody needs to learn how to meditate. Okay. That's what I'm going to end off with because uh, it's funny. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine last a couple nights ago. Um, she was dealing with something that was stressful in her life. Yeah. And I had suggested that she start meditating every day. Um, and she, because she's a type A driven person was like, well, what's the point? What am I going to get out of it? Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I just said to her, I said, well, first of all, you're going to develop an inner calm within yourself. But second of all, you're going to get to a place where you can actually start to ask yourself, Hey, what should I do about this? Yeah. Is this a good opportunity for me? Is this a good idea for me? And then your body will answer back. We all are intuitive, but we squelch that intuitiveness so much that I think that everybody needs to get a deeper understanding of themselves, yeah. which will ultimately help them to make better decisions in their lives, whether it has to do with a relationship or a job or anything that they're doing. They need to be able to ask themselves, is this the right decision I'm making about X? And yeah. listen to the answer and be able to be guided by that. And the only way they will get to that place is learning how to meditate. So my big thing to leave with is, is that I think everybody should wake up 10 minutes early, sit down um, on a couple of cushions and just sit and breathe and close their eyes for 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's good because I think the whole self-reflection, listening to yourself in this busy, noisy world, mm-hmm. it really gets lost. And a lot of the times we do things because other people want them to do us. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because we truly want to do it. Mm-hmm. And we need to get back to more. And it's not being selfish. Yeah. That's completely different, mm-hmm. right? But it's more knowing like what's in tune with yourself and mm-hmm. when you should or should not be doing that. I like that. That's yeah. good. Do you have any tools people could use to help them start to meditate? Well, see, this is the thing. I think people make meditation too complicated. Mm. When really it's just, just sit on a pillow, cross your legs, 
and breathe. So I uh, just started meditating this year. Mm-hmm. I tried it and I tried to do it on my own. And because I'm a little bit type A, one of the challenges that I had is I always wanted to try to go for 10 minutes. And so I'd be there breathing, breathing, breathing. Oh my God, I'm breathing, breathing. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, I'm done. And I'd look at the clock. It's four minutes. I'm like, <laughs> ah, how's that only four minutes? What the heck? And so I, <laughs> I, know, I know. But that's but, okay. It comes with practice. Yeah. That's a thing people need to understand with meditation. It's like, we all have that monkey mind where we're going to be like, oh my God, I'm thinking about what I got to do today. Yeah. But it's just that practice of just go back and do it again and keep doing it. So eventually, well, when you open up your eyes, you're like, oh, it's been 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, in it, monkey mind, it's like in me, the ideas come. And I swear to God, it's like I'm visualizing. I'm swatting them like a fly. Yeah. Like, get away. Get away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. If something comes in, I'm like out. Yeah. Because I just want it to go away so I can just focus on my breath. So, yeah, absolutely. So I started using this app called Headspace. Okay. And what I really like about it is it gives you 10 sessions. They're 10 minutes each and it's a guided meditation. Yeah. So for me, the first time I did it, the first session, I was like, oh, okay, Hmm. this is good. (laughs) And it really, really helps to focus me. Awesome. And it's the first 10 sessions are free. Yeah. So I think it's a great resource for anyone to, That's to great. use because it would be great to be able to do it on my own, yeah. but I did really, really struggle with it. So yeah, no, absolutely. And it's probably easier for people to try it when they're on vacation too. Yeah. That's true. When you're on vacation, you can stare out at the ocean or a lake or whatever it is. Which can be very calming and helpful. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, thank you so much for your time. No problem, Janet. Um, And if anyone wants to connect with you or learn more about you, where's the best place to go for that? Um, They could go to Twitter. I'm at at Devel Morrison on Twitter. I'm at Devel Morrison on Instagram. They can go to my website, morrisonsellsrealestate.com. They can listen to my podcast at morrisontalksrealestate.com. Okay, great. Lots of different ways. Lots of places to find you. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully we'll get some people to find you. And uh, thank you again for your time. problem thanks a lot thank you to everyone for listening i would love to know what you think uh, i would love to hear your suggestions and your feedback so feel free to send me a note uh, jlewis at janetlewis.com um and i'd love to do more of these it was fun uh, but it just depends on if there's any interest thanks again mm-hmm.